Music to Welcome to this episode of MTPT Pod. We have a really, really, really special guest. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, will you uh, introduce yourself? Say hello to the fans. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I don't think you built me up a little too much. Oh, absolutely uh, not. My name is Amy Love. I am a pediatric music therapist. I live in Memphis, Tennessee, and I've been a music therapist for 10 years. Oh my gosh. And I know it's crazy. When Blink. was your anniversary? Like when, March. when did you? Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. I kind of forgot until they asked me to get all of my recertification credits back in. LOL. <laughs> what a way to remember. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been a music therapist for 10 years. Um, I also run a website pediatricmusictherapy.com in my free time um which and i hope so jump... much of <laughs> so much free time yeah which i hope to jump back into this that'll be my new year's resolution <laughs> i like it go. that's there a good one go. um yeah. amy you're also a mama i am a, a mom yes how old is she now Phoebe is seven months. Oh. She is so big and oh. has so much energy and is so fun. It's like she, my favorite thing. She has like the just like the biggest eyes and like the most infectious smile. I like every time I see her on your on your Facebook, I'm like, oh my gosh. I post a lot of her, but oh. as a mom who went through infertility, you can post as much as you want of your kids. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. If 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 dog moms can post as much as they do, yeah. See, human moms. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, we're super excited to have you. This podcast was kind of birthed out of being new music therapists and navigating the world of music therapy, um, and so it's really valuable to talk to people who have been in the field for ten years. Do you feel like it's like a common thing to be in the field this long? Man, I don't know. Maybe. I feel like I surround myself with people who've been in the field for a long time. So I don't know if that's the norm, but that's the norm in, in my land. That makes sense. I feel like that having people that have been around for a long time would help you to feel supported in where you are now as a like seasoned music therapist, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But it is funny. I'll, I'll look around my department. I work in child life and I'm one of the oldest people there now. So oh, wow. What it's a, a combination for sure. That yeah. sounds about right. It's funny. I started <laughs> as the youngest person on the team and now I'm square in the middle because there's just been a lot of turnover wow. on our team, child life as well. So that's funny. I could see that happening. It's a season of turnover with COVID yes. and Amen. life as it is right now. Truly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you tell us about just like start to finish student to where you are now? What has your music therapy um, timeline looked like? Hmm. It's a good question. I think it has been rocky. Um, it has been challenging and rewarding. I feel like I see a lot of my younger self in y'all and <laughs> your all's energy, which I covet now. Um, but <laughs> I think it's so great. I think um, I had a lot of that energy when I was younger, but I probably didn't have quite as much focus as you all do. 
So I think that's really neat and very rare. So I was a student. I went to the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio, and got my bachelor's degree and figured out probably halfway through that I was really interested in pediatrics. That's kind of where I wanted to focus. Yeah and didn't know anything about it had one practicum that hadn't entirely set up yet so had an interesting practicum experience in peds <laughs> not much guidance um however i was very very lucky to get an internship at nationwide children's hospital which is nice. in columbus ohio yeah love that town would move yeah. back um and they have job openings amy don't let I them hear you know. say that I know. I have a house and a baby and a husband. So it's a little more challenging, but if it was just up to cities, I would totally move there. Um, and so got the internship. I was their first music therapy intern. Oh, which that's was awesome. Fun. Yeah, yeah. So I had a very unique experience, I feel. Um, so I had a great supervisor and I had two music therapists there and, um, Dr. Ferrer, who I know y'all know, yes, um, also was there when I was an intern. She was starting the NICU program at Nationwide. I did not know that. Dude, the world yeah. is so small. It's so small. Uh, it's a small world. So I shadowed her for a little while oh. and she's just amazing and such a powerhouse. So I had a very cool experience there. And I think being the first intern there, I felt like, you know, I could be the first somewhere else. So I was very open to mm. starting a new program or to looking for a place that didn't have music therapy yet. And, uh, you know, the challenging part about graduating and finishing your internship is, you know, you have all this potential that you see in yourself and that your internship supervisors see, but, you know, to people who don't know you and just see your name on paper on a resume, you know if you don't have job experience, it's hard to get job experience. Absolutely. So, uh, so I moved back home. I did not get a job out of my internship and was very stressed about that. <laughs> back into my sister's room because she had taken my room. So what? I was even demoted in the house. And, uh, it was a, it was a great move for me to do that. Um, I had some financial stability because I was not paying yeah. rent or groceries. Yeah. And paid off some student loans and decided to start grad school. So I did not know what I was going to do, but I decided to get a master's in music therapy at St. Mary of the Woods College. Nice. I did that uh, as a distance uh, learner, and that was probably the best part of my education. Uh, made some lifelong friends in my grad school class and... Um, got the opportunity to uh, apply for a job at uh, my current institution, got the job and finished was, my- I have a question. Yes. Yes. Was it a job opening that you applied for? It was a job for? opening to start a program. Nice. Okay. So, uh, my so boss you didn't was, cold turkey, like go to the hospital no, and say, this is no. me. Like, give me mm -mm. the money. No okay. way. I did bring a program <laughs> proposal to- um, the hospital. So I do think it helped. Um, so that was nice, but yeah, my, my boss at the time was very go-getter and wanted to bring music therapy to the hospital. It's pretty nice. surprising. There actually wasn't music therapy. It's a nationally recognized right. institution. Yeah. Um, so at 23, I started 
there and finished grad school at night. Was that and your first job? It was my second job. Actually, okay. that I, yeah, I, I fast forwarded. I worked for a private practice, uh, Louisville Music Therapy, for a little under a year. And that was a fantastic experience. And I learned a lot. I did not work in my preferred uh, area of peds and thought yeah. that would be terrible and I actually really enjoyed it. It was a great <laughs> job. I, nice. yeah, I really liked it. And I learned some new skills and um, I think I'm a little more well-rounded now because of yeah. that. Fair. Yeah. And then I've been there since 2014. So I, uh, I've been just hanging out here and I got my grad school done. I met my husband. He works at the hospital with me. So he actually saw a video of me being employee of the month and uh, went on a date not too long after that. And now we have a baby and a house and a dog and a cat. So we have a little zoo. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I've always been very passionate about peds. So I, um, I've tried different ways to, you know, get involved. I presented at national conferences before I, have presented at a child life conference. Um, I started pediatric music therapy because mm-hmm. I wanted more resources for that specific population that I didn't feel like there were. Amen. Yeah. And yeah. And I've been working with a pediatric working group with a number of just amazing music therapists from across the country to do different pediatric initiatives. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from them. They're very smart people. Um, and now I'm just trying to figure out the balance of all of it. I feel like I have a lot I want to put on my plate and a smaller plate than I used to yeah. have. Mm. We've talked a lot recently about transitions. Do you ever feel like they stop? Oh, transitions. No, absolutely not. I think you're always going through <laughs> transitions. Um, good. I good. did listen to y'all's episode. I thought that was great. I think transitions are different and the ones that y'all were talking about, I think that they're maybe like a little bit um, more visible, maybe. Yeah. If that's the right word. Yeah, that makes sense. You no, know, you can recognize moving or you can recognize, um, you know, me with like a new baby. Like those are some of those big transitions, but there, there's always transitions. And, you know, I think different phases of my work I'll go through different transitions of ways that I think about music therapy or how I relate to other people at work um mm. it's like I'm going through a transition as being a new mom and figuring out the balance of those two and yeah uh realigning my priorities and not really knowing where that what that looks like yet yeah so, yeah I think I I think I want to hop there so I'm newly married very young don't need to have kids anytime soon. Do I want them? Yes. She does. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> um, and my biggest thing as a, you know, up and coming music therapist, like in the field is I do not see a lot of working music therapy moms in our, yeah. um, in our schooling. It was not um, visible to us at all. If they did have ke- kids, they left the field altogether. And so as somebody who is like very driven in work, and I have a lot of identity in that, but I also really want to be a mom. I don't know how that would work. So you're obviously doing it. How? <laughs> That's my One thing. One way or the other. Like, how so are you doing it? it? <laughs> it's like anything, right? Like, if you need to do it, you do it. And um, you're mm. right. There aren't a lot of working moms. And I think that that has been 
a challenge for me because I don't have a lot of people who I can look at. Yeah. Um, who have that experience. But, you know, I have a couple other tele specialists. I think there's three others that are all moms, new moms, like I am. I am the only one who's still full time. So that's a little challenging. But oh, wow. I do see them coming and doing that. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a bit of an identity crisis. I, I think um, I want to be home with her and I worked very hard to have her. Yeah. And I also have worked very hard to be where I am in my field. So I think for me, it's been like, there is a uh, CFO, there's somebody high up in our, in our hospital. I can't remember his specific job title. And he always says, if you want to take something on new, or if there's a lot going on, like, what are you willing to give up to mm. continue something or to start something new? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something I've thought about a lot lately. And I think that there's a lot of things in life that I spend time on that aren't as important. So I think recognizing what those are and finding ways to support yourself. So my husband and I both work full time. And are struggling with childcare right now because we're in a childcare shortage in this country. Yeah. Um, so we're very lucky to have some help and um, we do pay for some help as well, but also throwing money at things that we don't need to spend time on. So we pay somebody to come clean our house every other week and mm. we get our groceries delivered when we can. Nice. Um, and I really prioritize when I'm home, uh, making sure that like she's my priority and spending time with her and good quality time makes me feel like I'm, I'm kind of figuring out a balance at least for now. Yeah. How has having a daughter changed, Mm -hmm. um, how you look at pediatrics or has it changed how you look at your patients? It has. And I feel like it was more subtle than I thought maybe it would be, you know, people warn you about when you have kids or I've heard a lot of people who's, who've said, you know, when I had a, a child, I had to, to step away. Um, and that hasn't happened to me yet. I think I've worked in oncology for so long and seen so many death experiences that I feel pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, but I did work with a teenager recently who passed and was not expecting that to happen. Um, and I found myself thinking about him at my baby's age. And I don't, I don't know. It was interesting. It, it was not something I, you know, went home and cried about or felt like I needed to take work time off work, but, but it was something that kind of sat with me for a little bit, um, Mm. which was interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting that it was a teenager. Like, I think my brain is like, well, if you see a baby, that's your baby's age. But like (laughs) hit at like a completely maybe unexpected time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, every new thing she does is so amazing to me and it's so much work and you put so much effort and work into these little people who become people and just thinking Mm. about all the things his mom had to have done to get him Mm. to be the cool person he was, you know? Yeah. Dang. 
It's funny. It like puts a new, a new form to the words that we've said that sometimes deaths just hit different. Like that's, that's a way that I never thought a death could honestly hit. I don't have kids, but obviously, but yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Did you have to build up to like where you're at with death now or was it kind of like this since you started? Mm, no, I, I definitely did not have as health. I don't know. If- Oh gosh, I don't even know what I have now is healthy. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, it works for me. I I feel Mm -hmm. healthy. Um, Yeah, that's probably a good step. But yeah, I think it was really challenging for me in my internship. And it was really challenging for me early in work. So, you know, when I talk to my interns or I talk to students or if I'm at a conference, I always talk about one experience I had with a little girl when I first started as a young professional mm-hmm. and was trying to make my way and prove my worth, so to speak. And it was really important to me that I was the one who was there for like procedures and for anything that was challenging for her. It was very, very easy to get in contact with me. I had never shared my cell phone number or anything, you know, those blatant kinds of boundaries, but I, I was very available Mm. and Mm. it was not good. It wasn't good for them. It wasn't good for me. I think I did them a disservice because by always being available, I wasn't letting them develop any resilience for themselves. So they really, I mean, they would not do procedures if I wasn't available which is not what we want. We want them to, the whole point of music therapy is to get it so they don't need music therapy, right? Like we don't want people who are going to be seeing music therapists for like the rest of their life once a week. Right, right. So she died and it was awful. And I felt like I did them a disservice, but I also did myself a disservice. I had to take a few days off work. I was just beside myself that's not a good way to live and that's not a good way to practice. And, um, I think that was a big eye opener for me. So, you know, working in peds is a team sport. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's something that anybody should want to be the favorite or like that it should only be you, you know, you really should be working in groups of people, you know, having a child life specialist and a music therapist and a psychologist, um, so that they know that there's tons of people they can rely on yeah. and that we work together as a team to support them in developing their own resiliency. So anyway, that's a very long story to say I used to not be as um, aware. And I think now I've had a lot of different death experiences and I think my view on it is very different. I think there is a focus on like, maybe I feel like it feels good, right. To be wanted. And I think sometimes we need to sit back and think about our role. And if we always need to be there. Yeah. Um, I think a good, one of the experiences I've had with the patient, they were getting near end of life. Um, were very familiar to a lot of people. And as things were starting to ramp up and 
end of life was very imminent. The dad asked everyone to leave. He said, this is the last time we'll just get to be a family as a family. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we don't think about that. We think that, you know, and obviously music therapists can provide a lot of great things, but also recognizing that sometimes the best thing you can do is to step out and let them have some privacy and be a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's a bit of a rambling, but I think my view on death has evolved and yeah. I think that we play a part, but we aren't should never really be center stage in those things right, unless absolutely. it's something that's explicitly something that they need and want and request. And of course I would if somebody requested that, but I think oftentimes what families want and what I would want if my child, God forbid, something happened to her, I wouldn't want anybody else there. I'd want to have that like with my family. So yeah. Yeah. So I think that, and that's healthy for me too. I think like putting, taking some of that pressure off myself to feel like I, I need to do all of those things and, you know, that we, that's part of the work we do, but you know, so much of what we do is not that part. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. At a time where you like always like knee deep in those death and dying experiences, is that kind of how you've evolved into this perspective? (sighs) You know, I never felt like I was, I mean, they come and go in waves. So I feel like obviously I've been involved in a lot of death experiences over the years, but um, I just think probably just the amount and over time and you grow as a person. And Mm -mm. I, I think it is very natural when you're young, at least for me and a lot of the, you know, other young professionals I've seen to like want to prove your worth by being like a favorite. And I think that like that is so much pressure and that is not good for, mm. for yeah. just. It's not sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So I think we all just gave ourselves a break a little bit. And I think <laughs> I put point. so much pressure on myself too to, you know, prove my worth by being the one that was called the most or, you know, had the letters written about them. And obviously those things are nice, but <laughs> um, we know when we do a good job. And yeah. uh, I think, yeah, just taking some of that pressure off, I think helped me and my death view of death kind of grow mm. and evolve. That makes sense. I'm, I'm yeah. curious for you, Amy, whenever you were new in your job now, in your, your first job that you had, how was it for you hashing between your like human self, like your Amy self and your music therapy self? Do you feel like your identity got muddied into music therapy? Do you still feel like, like, what does that look like for you? Does that Yes. Question, I, think that um, I have no idea. <laughs> um, Fair. I think I feel like they're one and the same. I don't feel like I really put on too much of a face when I'm with patients and families. Yeah. I think authenticity is the most important thing. Obviously, there are days where I don't really want to be at work. Like today, to be honest, like <laughs> I got up and I was like, we I want to be today. with my baby. I don't want to yeah. go to work and I don't want to be with any of these people. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, I mean, obviously, we're not going to say that to anybody. But um, but yeah, I mean, me as a music therapist is me as a human being. And nice. I it's hard for me to differentiate these those two things and I've been doing it for so long now that it'd be weird if I like quit my job I don't even know right yeah. <laughs> who am I 
And I think that that I realized that during maternity leave, like, mm. you know, and I had a lot of postpartum anxiety, I had a very difficult labor, very difficult, like getting pregnant part. Yeah. So I think all that played into that. And then you have this baby and then, you know, I, I had 16 weeks where I didn't have to go to work, which of course flew by near the end. But in yeah. the beginning, I felt like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel mm. comfortable at work. I know what I'm doing there. And I don't oh know what gosh. I'm doing with this little like baby. Oh. Um, yeah. So I think it's complicated for sure. Yeah. We've been ta- no, yeah. We've been talking a lot about like the human self and the therapy self, I think in like in terms of like a boundary um, mm. and like trying to maintain like, like for me a few weeks ago, I had a difficult patient situation where they just like really got to the human part of me. Just like not in like an unprofessional way by any by any means, but like we had some songwriting like um I did a songwriting intervention with her and is she just like for me and the songwriting I do with kit like with my patients, it's just very like authentic and it's very it can be very like intimate, like not in like a weird way, but just like it's a vulnerable thing to write with people. Thank you. Yeah. Vulnerable. I got you. Um and so it just like really got to the human part of me. And so I was like, Frick this hurts 10 times more than like the patient next door or this hurts a lot more than like maybe 10 patients put together. So I feel like for me, the human part is like when those kids just kind of get there. And I think recognizing that is the big step in that. And I think, right. Or like Maureen was saying, it's a very vulnerable space to be with people. You're with people at probably the worst time in their life. Right. freaking fall apart when my daughter gets a flu shot like she has to go get a flu shot tomorrow you know so like to go if we were in a hospital they would have to sedate me like I can't imagine so people are in this very vulnerable space and you're talking about things that are very vulnerable so of course like that's going to get to you sometimes I think what my supervisor said and I still think is you know you can have those feelings and recognize those feelings, but what are you doing with that? Like, are you yeah, ne- neglecting the person next door so that you can spend mm. like three times as much time with right. that person? Or are you being honest with your assessment of what they need? Mm. It's such a balancing act, those two yeah. things. Yeah. And it's and hard. So- There's no book for it. No. Right. It's I was all intuitive. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, it's something you have to learn by going through the fire. Like we can probably talk all day about this and like, somebody who's never done it is going to have to make the same mistake choices that we did. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. um, When did it feel like you knew what you were doing? Uh, I'm still waiting on that. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that, you know, it, I feel like I keep talking about motherhood, but I feel like sometimes like they call this like phase that I'm in, uh, matria matriescence which Ooh. i guess is like adolescence but for like becoming a mom oh um which i matrescence matrescence is what it's mm. called so that's a cool term it's kind of like being a young professional too where there's so many times i don't know what i'm doing yeah and then you have a minute where something goes well and you feel like i was holding her yesterday and rocking her and i thought gosh i can't remember the last time i googled something stupid that i didn't know about like <laughs> being a mom yeah and that was such a win you know so like going and having a really successful day at work and mm-hmm. thinking like gosh i didn't doubt myself one time today and like felt like i got a lot done or 
you know, mm-hmm. I spoke up in that meeting and I had something really valid and helpful to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's little moments where you feel that, but you're always going to have moments that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Fair. Well, and that brings me back to what you were talking about earlier as far as like not needing to be the most important person to that patient, not needing mm-hmm. to like be their favorite and all those things. I kind of align that with like the necessary evil of our job of like constantly advocating for music therapy. And it's like, well, if the doctors and the providers see that I'm their favorite, are they going to see how important music therapy is? Yeah. 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 How, how have you advocated for music therapy services in your hospital and how is it, how's it grown? I mean, you've been there for quite some time. Like, what does that look like? You know, I, I think again it's evolved and I think I am very fortunate to have a close-knit hospital you know we only have 76 beds at our institution and people oh, think wow. it's a lot bigger it's a very big campus but we only see well and a lot of kids are outpatient but as far as the inpatient world which is where I spend a lot of time yeah it's 76 beds so I wow. think the best advocacy is not talking at people you know we talk about elevator speeches and mm like grand rounds and seminars and webinars and like that all is great. And there's a time and a place for that. But I think the best thing you can do is just develop relationships and invest in people that you're working with. So Mm. a great example is I had this one nurse in the ICU and the ICU was very challenging for me when I first got there because the kids are really sick and the nurses are rightfully protective of their kids. And I'm like lugging a bunch of bags and things and, right. you know, 23 year old me was frustrated that they were being difficult. Um, but 23 year old me didn't take time to understand their side of it either. So, you know, if I'm bringing a bunch of drums in and the kid codes, then all of that stuff is going to be in the way. Right. So it's just understanding one another. So, you know, I invested in one of those nurses and you know, the nurse who has been there for 30 something years um, and is very senior and was very gruff and would tell me exactly what she thought. And um, we invest in that relationship and checking in on her and um, learning about her as a person outside of work. And probably a year or two later, I had a patient who was dying in the ICU, who was a young adult. And their last wish was they wanted to play as much piano as possible. So I wanted to bring in a real piano to the ICU. And her thing was always, I don't want a bunch of stuff in the room. Because if they code, you know, that makes total sense. So we talked about it and she was like, yeah, we need a real piano. And she worked with me and respiratory therapy and like a moving company and like all this stuff to get a piano in there. And she's one of my like very dearest work friends now, you know, like we, and that's real advocacy. It's not like talking at people. I could tell her why music therapy is important, but I don't know. It's, it's more important to invest in people. There was a occupational therapist I used to work with and it was a little more difficult when she first got there. And then we invested in one another. And now I feel like I could call her for anything. Mm. So it's those relationships you develop. That's real advocacy to me. Sounds like it's a long game. That's like kind of the it's bottom a long line. game. Yeah. yeah. It's a long game. 
I'm thinking about too like it's funny for me because as a person outside of music therapy I was just like raised super professionally just like baseline and then I was (laughs) in school and the same thing was like preached to you like professionalism 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 let me tell you making relationship with people is not necessarily the textbook professionalism that I was taught so that's been one of the hardest things for me is developing relationships with my nurses and not feeling guilty or like I'm Mm. pushing a professional boundary that I'm not supposed to be pushing um and they've I mean I have nurses that are quite a bit older than me that have been lovely at like poking my buttons almost they're like come on don't you want to be my friend like in a way that now I feel safe to be in relationship with them but that's been interesting to navigate as a new professional is like it's okay to build relationship with these people you're gonna see them a lot you're gonna see some hard stuff together yes yeah and you know it's good for them too it's good to check in on one another right Mm. yeah yeah, I like that. And it's good to be able to say what you want because I remember all the ICU nurses when I was like eight months pregnant being like, let me tell you all of our worst labor stories. And I'd be like, y'all shut up. Yeah. I, get back. I do not want to hear this right now. Oh my goodness. That I had worse than everybody. So when I got back, I was like, y'all better sit down because I have a story to tell. Oh no. Oh no. It's a bad trophy to win, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah. So how do you do it all? I don't. I don't Mm. do it all. I think that that's the challenging part. I used to do a lot more and Mm. um, I haven't worked on my website in like a while and I'll do a few minutes here and there, but like, I just have not been able to do all the things that my brain wants to do. Or I have a lot of things I want to do at work and a lot of admin things that I'd like to do. And I just don't do it all. Like there's just I remember listening to something that said, you know, there's just no way to do all of it. If I'm succeeding as a mom, I'm failing as yeah. a wife. Or I'm if I'm succeeding that as a wife, was... failing as a work. Yeah. I person. think that was I think that was Shonda Rhimes. She did was it? She, yeah, she created like Grey's Anatomy and like all these shows and she was like yeah, she made that exact quote and that's Yeah. It's true though. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's the taking the pressure off myself where, you know. I don't have to do it all and things will be there for me when I pick them back up. Yeah. Um, I think it was my coworker who we were talking about this and she said, you know, you have to figure out if you're juggling a lot of balls or plates, like which ones can you leave up in the air and they'll stay up there and which mm-hmm. ones will fall and crash and burn yeah. and which ones will need just a little bit to keep them up and going. So just like figuring out those things and being kind and asking for help, which I don't like doing. So. <laughs> Who does? Who Ugh, does like it's worst? It's so hard. Yeah. So I think I'm in, that's where I am right now is I'm in a, a point of evaluation where I think I need to let things go in my life for a while while mm. I, while I have a young baby and I am working full time and I don't know what those are yet um but it's just figuring them out yeah yeah to be like completely transparent for us a lot of like hard things for us is like balancing the admin time and the patient care and the meetings yes having a lot of guilt over the days where it is a lot of admin time and we're not face-to-face with patients a whole lot have you experienced that yeah and I remember being an intern and watching my supervisor and being like what are you doing sitting at your desk like let's go (laughs) 
And now I get it. And there's so much behind the scenes that Mm -hmm. I think we don't know about or that we don't learn in school. So, you know, I manage our internship program. So this last week or two, I've been interviewing, setting up phone calls and working with academic programming. You know, that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to do a student conference this spring through our institution because I'm an idiot and I want to do too much. (laughs) And so there's all these things that you can do or, you know, working on things for sessions that takes time. Mm -hmm, So yeah, I think what's been nice for me is I have other music therapists and I have other professionals who I can go to and say, all right, this is what I'm thinking I'm going to do today. What are you doing today? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we find out we're seeing the same patient. So I can just let that go. Nice. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. Just figuring out what you have to do and then being okay with the rest. Yeah. That's definitely kind of like a hard spot for us. Cause like Morgan's in the PICU. Yes. I'm in HEMOC and behavioral health. So I'm balancing, um, two ends of the spectrum all the time and then our third music therapist is in our 75 bed NICU so it's like constant we all have our own like admin time that we're constantly having to do and it's like sometimes hard to share the load and we beat ourselves up over I only saw this many patients today I didn't see a single patient today you know so it's it's hard to like give yourself grace in that even though it's like also a part of your job description. Yeah, it's so funny. I one time had a friend, child life specialist friend, who was like, you realize all the work that you're putting into this? Because at the time I was working on growing the program to get more music therapy. She was like, you realize all the work you're doing is to in fact get more services to your kids. So even though you're not in front of them, you're actually doing work to help more. And I was like, huh, I never thought about it like that. Like all the work that I'm doing is enabling me to be able to provide better services or to be able to help more kids receive services yeah that's what helps me sometimes but it's a balance you know and I've been on both ends of the spectrum so I've Mm. hit patient care super super hard and then not done the admin and that's hard because things build up but then I've Mm -hmm. done too much admin where I found myself caught up in something and and patient care suffers so right yeah you know I think prioritizing is really helpful. We mm-hmm. have used the, what is it called? Pediatric preventative healthcare model hmm. and uh, pretty much created a numerical chart for how we prioritize patients. Hmm. I love numbers for things like that. And now I can actually prioritize based on where they fall in the scale. And that helps me. That helps my brain kind of figure out what needs to happen yeah and work away yeah yes yeah. that's, that's nice because it like quantifies it in a way that's objective as compared yeah. to like how subjective prioritizing can be because mm-hmm. i think that's mm-hmm. part of the hard thing for me is i'm like have know how to prioritize but sometimes i'm like do i know what i'm doing <laughs> and so that, that having numbers thank you <laughs> having numbers is nice though yeah all right i'm gonna take the opportunity to ask you a few questions that we got um okay. i feel like we've like hit a lot of them this is an interesting one though um, do you see peds or medical music therapy becoming its own certification? Hmm. Yes. That's <laughs> my dreams. Ah, I see. I would love to do that. And starting to form brain thoughts about that. Nice. So maybe. So but I don't know. There's a lot I probably don't know about all of that. Mm. 
but would so, be but cool. I think it would be nice. Yeah. yeah. I would love to know that you can like, I mean, I think it would be just like the only thing I can think of is like neurologic music therapy, like Nick UMT, like you go to these trainings and you learn things that are easily applied. Like it'd be nice yeah. to be able to step into a training and be like, okay, I can easily apply these things and now do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Sorry. What's Sorry, that? I don't want to interrupt you. No, no I, I think it's one of those things where you think everything in the world is made up. Somebody just made it up one day. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things that we know as medical music therapists that we could pass on. It's just like, what does that format look like? Mm. Mm, that's the wheel right there. Well, and yep. like all the programs across the country and the world are so different. So like, oh yeah, we, I mean, it's insane. It is insane. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. But I definitely think, yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talk a lot about our why on here. Morgan has like a really solid, strong why. Danielle is figuring out hers. Amy is looking stressed. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Do you have a why? Or why like, do you have therapy? a, like, just like why you like wake up in the morning? Like what's why your you human go why? To the hospital. Very existential. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. We love being honey over here. Or like, what's why? your favorite thing about your job? That's another way to ask it the easier way yeah no what is my why I think I don't know I think it just feels very intuitive I think that I enjoy connection I think that the medical world is very dehumanizing so I feel a calling to humanize it where I can um and selfishly, my why is they pay me good money to go there and do something I'm good at Dang. that allows me to buy nice things for myself and my family. That's nice. incredible. So it's a combination in some days that is the why and it's not anything else. And that is okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I just think we as like a helping profession feel like we should, I don't know how to say this, but that we should be like very self-sacrificing with our time and our energy and that we don't like just come there because they pay us to like that. I mean, they're both important, I guess. Like mm. obviously the why is both, but some days like I've had a challenging few months coming back after maternity leave and Mm. some days it truly is like we need your income to pay our mortgage right and that is a good reason to get in the car um Mm. and some days and a lot of days you know I I know there's a patient who really needs some help in an area that I can help them in yeah you recently had a patient who music was their number one thing and that was all that got them through what they needed to do so that was huge too. And that got me on the, in the door on time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just going to be different every day and it's, you know, it's okay to have that evolve and change every yeah. day. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, you really think anybody's out here doing like an engineering podcast? probably not <laughs> like They're everyone else well i mean my my I, like or like working at at&t like my mom is not doing a like a podcast like it's literally because to. it's a job that pays her like that's like yeah. the why and like we as a helping as helping people and like the people we are we're like why do we get out of bed yeah i mean for me though like the emotionally draining work that this can be 
some days I just gotta know why I'm doing it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's valid. Um, but I will say, unless it is like a very extenuating circumstance, I am in my car when my shift is over. Amen. And hey, that is a beautiful point. Yeah. I think, um, right. Could any of us do this if it wasn't for the money either? I don't know. Hey, um, other great so. point. <laughs> this is very jaded 10 years in kind of. <laughs> No, not Chat, it's I guess, very realistic. No, it's it's realistic though. I think that people should get paid well for what they're doing and yeah. it is hard work. And I think that, you know, no one should take a job that is not paying them enough to, you know, do yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think it's funny because when I got into this profession, a lot of my family works very practical jobs and they kind of understood it but didn't. But then like I have a lot of voice, not jealousy, but like just voice. Like it's so cool that you get to do your passion every day. Like that's mm-hmm. so cool. And it almost like insinuates this pressure that because of this job that, perce- that is perceived as very fun um, is what we do that we don't just have the human why of it's I get paid and then I go home and I love all my kitty like yeah. and take care of myself. Like it's funny. It's just funny to think about. Yeah, But it is cool. And it is. And I – I think yeah, sometimes right. jaded one way or another. So like sometimes like I do feel that way. Like, oh, gosh, like nobody understands that my job's actually really hard too because, <laughs> you know, this kid died or I saw something really traumatic today right. or they said something yeah. really traumatic. Um, but then other days it really is like I get to do really fun things and yeah. that's my job. I get to like yeah. do that for a living. That's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It ebbs and flows for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I think next. it's okay to like know that too because yeah. like they happen a lot. Like there are some days where I'm like, I'm quitting and I'm never going <laughs> back here and I'm never doing this again. And then you ride the wave through and yeah. and you get help where you need it and you know, right. burnout is real and it can is. work your way through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have a selfish question. So yeah something i'm struggling we just we've recorded quite a few podcasts before this because we're getting all of them done for the year and we're <laughs> ridiculous um so i was talking about like i'm struggling right now because i like feel really good at work i know my purpose there and then like the human danielle is like i have no hobbies and i have nothing to do <laughs> and my husband wants to sit at home all day and i literally rather do anything else so did you ever like struggle with like, oh yeah, like I'm doing all these great professional things and then like you struggled like with that yeah. adult transition and trying to find what you actually enjoyed? Yeah, I when I moved to Memphis, I was in grad school full-time and working full-time. So I did not have much free time. I got a cat. That was very, like that was a big, I freaked out. I got a cat and I was like, I called my mom hyperventilating. I was like, this is too much responsibility. Like <laughs> I don't think I can do this. So <laughs> she's the best thing ever I don't know where she is she must yeah. be somewhere close by um and so when I got out of grad school I felt like I had all this time I didn't know what to do with um and only recently do I feel like I spent more time like recognizing some of those things that that give me some like calm feelings um so for me I really love cooking and baking nice and that 
is very like meditative for me because I can't do a lot of other things while I'm cooking. I have to think about like the next step and like what I need to chop up next or like timing for this. So I find it very relaxing. I don't always find it relaxing if it's the end of the day and I'm tired and starving, but like if I have like the day to myself. Uh, So I bought Julie Child's cookbook and I'm working my way through some of those recipes and it's really fun and my husband really likes it. Um, So I made French onion soup for his birthday list. It was really enjoyable. I really liked it. So I think for me, cooking and baking, you get like something fun out of the end of it because you have like food, which is helpful for your life. And then it's kind of relaxing too. Mm, Um, So that is nice for me. Um, But I think just trying different things, like what a beautiful time in your life where you have like some time and like, you know, you travel, you got a new husband, like kicking butt in your career, like take that time and figure out like, what are you going to do? I know. Yeah, I know that the hard thing is like, I've, everything has been so nonstop and now that it's stopped. It's like it is challenging when you've been really busy in a season of life yeah. to like have the time. And I think, yeah, it like it is an adjustment in itself. So like recognize that some of those feelings are valid and like, <laughs> it will take time and then you will find things to fill that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of this podcast is like how to adult and then also be a music therapist. And like be okay with all of the above. <laughs> I think you guys are doing great, you know? Oh, I think we thanks. doubt ourselves a lot when we're young. And we know what we're doing. Do we? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll I think for me, like I'm 32 now. I think when I hit my 30s, that was like a beautiful time in life. And mm. I think I care so much less about what people think about me now that mm. I'm in my 30s than yes. I ever did when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Nice. But I think that that freed up a lot of time in my brain. I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. do you know that everyone thinks you're a legend? No. Yes. <laughs> They're wrong. Do you really not know that? <laughs> you are. You are. You you're legit. legit. Are. Legit. Everyone That's knows very you. very sweet of people. I <laughs> think it's such a small field. Like, we all can, like, look what you guys are doing. Like, every, there's a space for anybody who wants to, like, put stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think what motivated me is that like you know there's been a few music therapists in my corner there's been a few not in my corner and having somebody older in the field like be supportive has been so helpful Mm, yeah so you know we should do that for for this next round like you guys are doing yeah yeah, that's really our goal. Yeah, that's kind of how yeah. this started is I when I started my job, moved here by myself, built I was like I need people that can just like honestly validate my experience and and like be ahead of me to say, "Okay, I can get to that point." I'm like, "Okay, if they did it, I can do it." Mm. Um Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell you, Amy, it sounds like you like truly are a pioneer person. Like it's so cool to hear about your journey and to hear about your time with your daughter and that you're like still pioneering your life, even though like you've already done so much. And that's really inspiring for us. Well, thanks. And I think, right, like for me, I see people and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't like written all these articles and like I don't have like a NICU music therapy training program. Like there's always somebody, right? Like, right. 
And it's, and the journey is going to look different for everybody. And I think that's such a cool thing. And I think this era of technology has, you know, social media and all that is, has connected a lot of us. And I've made so many great friends through pediatric music therapy. Like that is the best part about it. Honestly, you know, I have like cashed out, like I bought a mural for my daughter's nursery and that's all the money I've ever spent on PNT. The rest of it literally just goes back into like the website. Right. Yeah. So it is very expensive to keep it running. I don't do it for money. Right. You know, um, it is just enjoyable. It's like a, and that's what my husband said. He's like, when it's not fun anymore, don't do it. And lately Ah. I just haven't had the space to do it. And that's okay. Okay. Right. It self it's self-sufficient. And when I want to add things, I have a very big idea and plan to like kind of redo the whole thing, of course. Sure. But you know, <laughs> it'll be there when I'm ready for it. And you right. know, it's so cool you guys are doing this podcast. And I would have eaten this up when I was newly out of the field. There was nothing yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. We do feel like it's needed. Like it's and we've gotten so much great feedback of music therapists who are alone in their city and their facility whatever and so that's like really our I was goal. alone yeah, yeah I was alone <laughs> I was also alone here we are now <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah look at that yeah it's crazy do you have anything else that you would want to tell a new professional listening to the podcast um one question that I like to ask but is super freaking cheesy is if you could tell yourself one thing like starting you're 23, oh, you're in, or okay, you're 25. No, be 23, no, be that's 25. me. You're two years in, oh, sorry, you're two years 24. in. 24, fine, in the middle. You've been working for a second, but you're in that slump of being a new music therapist and figuring it out. Like, is, is there something you wish you knew or just some piece of encouragement you would give? I think there's so much I would tell myself, but I was also a very neurotic little Amy. So I think... I think one is just like stop putting so much pressure on yourself. I think everyone who's young does it because you see all these other people and we like tell ourselves stories about what their day-to-day looks like. And I think we're all just doing the best we can and you don't subscribe to this whole like, oh my God, this person's a legend or this is blah, blah, blah. Like (laughs) all like doing the same thing. We're doing the same gig. We're doing great job. So to not put so much pressure and I think to recognize you have a lot of time. I think Mm. that I felt (laughs) a lot of rush to do so much and put so much on me and, you know, you'll have time and you're going to have experiences that are going to help you grow as a therapist and as a person and yeah, just like enjoy it. Just enjoy the ride Mm. and enjoy being young. Mm, I like that. We yeah. have time. You have time. Why? Why does it feel like we have to do everything in such a short, short amount of time? Oh, I think it's because you you like look at people ahead or something. Like David Knott is at Seattle Children's, and I just think he's amazing. And I just looked up to him so much and wanted to like just accelerate, right? Like we just wanted to like mm. do that, be that person. Um, and everybody's looking at someone and wanting to be someone else, you know, with that kind of stuff. And Woof. yeah, I think, yeah, you just have so much time. I've done so much. I've met so many cool people and I'm only 10 years in, you know, like I, yeah, yeah. Empathetically could do this for a lot longer and I'll meet a lot of other really cool people and learn a lot about myself and about other people and mm. life and just, you know, you have time. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And in reality, like all the people we look up to took a lot of time to get there. So I think we have to remember that. Yeah. And are still like working on things. And I think Mm -hmm. don't forget to like enjoy the stuff around you. Um, Mm. I think especially as like a new mom, I was looking at my husband's name is Brian. So I was looking at him yesterday and, or maybe it was this, yeah, because today's Monday. So yeah. So it was the weekend and I was like, (laughs) man, do you remember the last time we like slept in or like went to a bar, like things that like, just enjoy things like go out and do stuff, like try new restaurants, go travel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You never know when the next pandemic will be. So just enjoy other things too. Oh, the way that just like triggered me. (laughs) You never know when the next pandemic will be. Oh my God. No. It probably will not happen during our lifetime. However, you just never know. We could all die tomorrow. So just absolutely. I I like that. that vibe. I love that. So to end the music therapy podcast, it's to do a lot of other things that are fun with your life that are not music therapy. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, truly. Yeah. All right. Amy, thank you so, so much. Thank you. This was a pleasure. Truly. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Awesome.